We live in a world that is forever changing, from one day to the next. Now add to that an inner world that is forever at odds with itself. How does one accomplish anything when the only thing that is certain is uncertainty? Welcome to the Lifting with Bipolar podcast, the show designed to be an educational safe haven offering real-world solutions for real-world people. My name is Jonathan Sharko. Living with Bipolar 1 in today's world is a double-edged sword, but I'm here to work through it with you. Let's get right into today's episode. Howdy, folks, and welcome to another episode of the Lifting with Bipolar podcast. Uh, I'm excited to have a guest. I'm in. Lo- I'm located in Nevada. My my guest is located across country in Georgia. I'm I'm excited to have my guest Bonnie on today's episode. Bonnie, why don't you introduce yourself to the crowd? Thank you so much for having me, Jonathan. Um, yeah, so my name is Bonnie. I'm the CEO of the Imperfect Human. I'm also a Master's of Social Work student. Um, I dabble in a little bit of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and recently I've gotten into the world of adopting animals, specifically a cat. Nice. <laughs> Did you guys determine the name of your cat yet that you've just adopted? <laughs> yeah, we landed on Dracula. Dracula, nice. Very fitting for those who don't know. I think it's a black cat, right? <laughs> yes, black cat, green eyes, beautiful, medium hair. Very fitting so name. Kind of- yeah. But no, I love uh, I love your introduction. I love it. Just kind of like a wide breadth of interest, you know, from jujitsu to uh, you know your current studies and things like that, and then now adopting animals. So um, I'm excited to prepare. I've prepared a few questions for you today and make the most of our time today. So we'll just jump right into them. So uh, tell us. I kind of want to learn a little bit more of your background. Uh, can you tell us maybe about your transition that you went from nutrition major to a psychology major and how that kind of experience in health and fitness intertwined with psychology and social work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a lot of people don't know because I didn't finish the degree, but I almost finished my bachelor's in, uh, nutrition. Um, and I was Mm -hmm. on course to become a dietitian. That's what I wanted to do and all of those things. But then um, I was playing rugby, my head injury happened, and I had to drop out of the program, switch to psychology, graduated in that. Um, but my love for psychology really came from being introduced to eating disorders. So I say my nutrition program was kind of like, we were learning how to give people eating disorders is how I feel about it. Um, and that sounds terrible mm-hmm. and awful, and it is. Um, so that's where my love for psychology came because I had this debate with someone one time and they were like, well, eating disorders aren't a physical illness. They're a mental illness. And I was like, by definition, you are not wrong. So let me dive deeper into this. And then I fell in Mm -hmm. love with the field of psychology. Yeah. No, it's nice. Kind of somebody kind of challenged you a little bit. You're like up for the challenge. You're like, hey, you know what? I'm not only going to find the answer, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, change my major and stuff like that, and really dive into this stuff. So, what are what are some of the stats? I mean, eating disorders like that's pretty prevalent. I'd, I'd imagine and maybe now maybe now it's being more discussed. Maybe more opportunities to get those recordings for that kind of data. I'm sure it's a little more prevalent than people think. Huh? I don't I don't know the exact numbers. Um I don't have them on hand. I wish I did. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, there it's very prevalent and I think that um so this isn't an official di- uh diagnosis, but I don't know if you've heard of orthorexia where it's kind of the mm. obsession with healthy eating where you start to really cut out so many food groups that it becomes disordered eating and it there's not, you know, maybe it's not anorexia or binge eating, 
or any of those things, but um, it does fall into that category of when you look at what are disordered eating behaviors, it's cutting out whole food groups. It's very restrictive dieting. Um, and then mm-hmm. you could even throw in like yo-yo dieting in there and stuff like that. Cause then you're looking at binge, you know, you're restricting and binging. Um, so it's really an interesting conversation with a lot of nuance that people don't discuss a whole heck of a lot. So I was really interested to learn obviously everything I could about it because I, you know, graduated in psychology and now I'm in a social work program where we talk about Mm -hmm. this topic a good amount, a good amount. I think the deeper I get into the program, the more I'll be able to specialize and I'll, then I will be able to talk to you and give you all the statistics, all the data. Oh yeah. No, I just, for, I just wanted to touch on that point. I mean, most people, I don't want to gloss over the fact that eating disorders, you know, they are a serious uh, mental illness and they also have to do physical. It's, it's unique because it does have like a uh, physical um, examples of it as well. So just kind of from the, from the illness. So, uh, but let's see here. So you mentioned the importance of uh, intentionally and actively seeking joy. Uh, can you explain how this keeps you motivated and how it keeps you relative, how it keeps you or how it relates to intrinsic and extrinsic motivation? Yeah, absolutely. So seeking joy, this, Mm -hmm. I have to talk about my meds. Um, I never felt joy before getting on, you know, taking meds for bipolar. Um, And then once I had felt joy and experienced it, I was like, wow, I want more of this. Um, Mm -hmm. And that kind of came, joy became this intrinsic motivator for me to really like to, to live. I guess is what I, I I guess that's the best way to say it. Um, so I really chase joy and the way that relates to intrinsic and extrinsic motivation is that mm-hmm. joy is an internal feeling, right? So it's something that exists within me. Um, so I'm automatically motivated. Like it just, a, a lot of people separate. Um, I don't know if you've seen the thing where like people will be like, you know, motivation's not it, it's determination or dedication or, um, and it's like, well, those are kind of intrinsic mm-hmm. motivators. Um, so that, that's a thing. And then extrinsically, you have to go to find joy, you have to go forth and prosper, you have to find something that lights you on fire, and then go after it. And that's led me to social work, that's led me to my blue belt in jujitsu, it led me to mm-hmm. adopting the cat. Um, so it's really, it's led me to all these really great things in my life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think it just opens up your perspective and maybe an opportunity to say yes to more things, even more things that, even things that are challenging from uh, raising a cat to majoring in social work and taking on some of these challenges. So yeah, just let's get perspective. So, uh, let's see here. I want to get into your, I want to get into this, this uh, jujitsu topic because I'm sure a lot of my listeners want to dive into as well. So. Um, in a nutshell, like I just want to hear about maybe your passion for jujitsu and really how that's kind of been a benefit to your like your mental health. So, yeah, absolutely. So jujitsu has um, all of these. Oh man, it has all of these great qualities, and mm-hmm. of course, there's camaraderie. And I always talk about the camaraderie. So I want to focus on a different part of jujitsu, and that's the physical aspect, where you are yeah. really forced to not only trust your training partners that they're not going to harm you because in jujitsu you can get seriously harmed. You know, you're it's joint locks and chokes for people that don't know. So like you, you can pass out, you, you can break an arm, a leg. Um, mm-hmm. if your training partners aren't being careful. Um, so it forces you to really practice trust with people. So that's that camaraderie piece, I guess. But then for ourselves, when you're, 
you when when you start out, you get caught in a choke and you tap, right? You tap very quickly. Mm-hmm. You don't. But then you start learning escapes for chokes. So you kind of sit in them a little bit longer. You think about, mm, if I turn this way, I can kind of unwind the choke. And then that kind of translates mm-hmm. over into life. Like when I get in a sticky situation now, I, you know, I kind of sit in the suck and I'm like, okay, what, what can I do with my resources? Um, mm-hmm. What, what do I have on hand? How can I use them? How can I leverage them and move past this situation? And in jujitsu and in life, I am, depending on who I'm rolling with, am fairly mm-hmm. successful at escaping some chokes sometimes. I'm only a blue belt, so I'm not that great. <laughs> there's The water is deep. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's people who have been doing it for a relatively long time. How long? How many years or how many months or how long have you been in jiu-jitsu now? Um, for me, it's been like a year. It was a year in March. Okay, awesome. Nice. So you, you hit your one-year mark and you're still enjoying it and keeping going back for more. So, Yes. Yes, I love it. Um, even mm-hmm. through like little injuries and stuff like that, you keep going back for more. And of course, um, as a, an athlete, I've learned how injuries definitely translate to struggles in your life outside of sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been interesting to navigate after retiring from rugby. Yeah. Yeah, tell us a little bit about your rugby experience as well. So you're, I mean, multi-talented in many sports and many things you pick up. So tell us a little bit about your rugby background. I would love to. I love talking about rugby. Um, So I started playing rugby in high school. I played Mm -hmm. all the way into college. I played at the D1 Elite level. Um, My team was second in the nation the whole time I played. Um, They were, I played with some absolutely incredible athletes. Um, They've been in the Olympics. They have, they play nationally now there. If you watch USA women's rugby, you're Mm -hmm. seeing some of my teammates. Um, So it's really, it was a very neat experience. Um, I wouldn't say I, I, I won't downplay myself and say I wasn't good at rugby. I was definitely good at rugby, but compared Mm -hmm. to my teammates in college, Man, they were amazing. Um, and I learned so much from them about just mm-hmm. um, sport and life. And I, I made best friends that have been with me forever. But then, of course, every every good thing must come to an end. I had a head injury. It was like knocked out cold on the field. It was nasty. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just didn't. I, I thought I was recovering well. I was on track to return to play. But then COVID happened. Mm-hmm. Um and and I just I stopped recovering. Well, I guess COVID really, you know, head injuries can take a hit on mental health. And then COVID took a oh, hit definitely. on everyone's mental health. And, mm-hmm. and and then I had bipolar and didn't know it. So everything just like came to mm-hmm. a head and it was just really bad and scary. And I was in a really bad place. And it was the head injury. So the head injury happened in February of 2020. I was diagnosed in October mm-hmm. of 2020. So it was kind of like the head injury exacerbated the bipolar to the point that it was it was recognized, yeah. it was diagnosed. So my next question for Bonnie is, as someone who works in the field of social work, can you talk about how social and mental health are related and how we can address these issues in our communities? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, we are social creatures, whether we like it or not. And I used, to, I used to be a person, don't get me wrong for everyone out there who's like, oh, I don't like people and this, that and the other. Yeah, I used to say that too. And now I'm going into the field of social work because I love people. Um, I realize that I deeply love mm-hmm. people. What I don't like is sometimes how humans treat other humans. And I think in especially Western culture, we have this view of like, we, we really value independence and not interdependence and interdependence is important. Um, we are a there. I don't, this, this may be very spiritual and deep, but like if you consider that we have a collective mind, then you Mm -hmm. can see how important it is for each of us to take care of our mental health. So it, and to care about each other's mental health. So I, yeah, that we're just, we are social creatures and we need each other. And I think a lot of times we talk about self-care, 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 self-care. And self-care mm-hmm. is great, don't get me wrong. But community care, I would argue, is more important. And to to care about community, you have to care about yourself. So it works hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like that. Uh, I like the kind of the balancing. I've, had, I've heard a lot of the self-care stuff. I like the community caretake and how there's just kind of a broader, broader lens to kind of look at this kind of like topic in general. So not so much on the individual level, but on the more macro level on the community level. So my next question up for you, we're going to tie, tie back into like how everything you're really juggling, everything, how you're kind of getting everything done. So um, jujitsu can be a physically and mentally demanding sport. How do you manage to balance your, not only your career and your personal life, but also like your training routine and into your like day to day and your weekly schedule? Yeah, I would love to talk about this actually, because um, I'm speaking directly to athletes right now, um, mm-hmm. directly to the athletes. You have to listen to your body. When it comes to doing any anything, whether it's it's just you know I say just weightlifting, it's it's never just weightlifting. Um, I I've been a weightlifter too, um, but when it, whether it's weightlifting or jujitsu or rugby or soccer or gymnastics or whatever it is, you have to listen to your body. And sometimes that doesn't look like training six or seven days a week. Sometimes that might look like going months training once or twice a week because that's all your body can handle because you're at max capacity mentally and emotionally. And that's something people don't talk about enough. I don't think that our capacities are separate. I don't think it's like a physical capacity, a mental capacity, and an emotional capacity. I think it's Mm -hmm. all the same. I think it's all connected. And I think that we really have to listen to ourselves. And that's something that I've really leaned into. And it's been very hard for me because I'm used to sport where you're training six days a week, you you play on the seventh day, you know, Mm -hmm. it's multiple trainings a day, and then you're in college. And that's what I was used to. That's what was drilled into me. So now doing jujitsu and balancing grad school and also having a mental illness that affects me on a day to day, not that it didn't before. Mm -hmm. But it's gotten more serious, and now I re- I'm getting older, and I realize the importance of taking care of it. I can't do what I did before. I can't sacrifice yeah. myself for sport anymore. So I'm definitely talking to the athletes when I say when I say that you cannot sacrifice yourself for sport. You have to take care of yourself. And to be quite honest, most of us not going to make enough in sport to live prosperous lives we're gonna have to have some sort of other hustle you know what i mean so like whether you're Mm -hmm. in college or you're working a job whatever it is 
maybe prioritize that over sport. Just maybe, you know? Yeah. No, it's definitely good to uh, not have all your eggs in that basket as far as like turning pro and things like that and having a background and kind of, a, or having a backup plan. Um, Cause yeah, even for people, for people in post-retirement, what do they do after they're done? Their playing days are done. They can kind of fall back on what they learned in school. Maybe it's business or something like that. Uh, so like as someone who's experienced both burnout and bipolar disorder, uh, what advice do you have for others who are struggling with mental health challenges? So it's like, I mean, you have a, I mean, just imagine you have a jam-packed schedule and now does this kind of ever lead to the possibility or opportunity for burnout to appear? Yeah. Um, so I faced burnout before. I'm very mm-hmm. familiar with her. Um, don't like her. Uh, and try to stay as far away from her as possible. Um, what I do is, you know, I'm, I think intuitive is a good word. I think intuitive is a great word. I'm a very intuitive person. Um, I do, like I said, I listen to my body's capacity. Um, I honor it. I do what it tells me to. So sometimes I, I also, so let me also say that I'm very, very privileged to have a partner who takes on the financial responsibility for us. Um, I'm not, that's not like a burden on me right now. I get to focus Mm -hmm. on getting better. I get to focus on working towards my career. I get to focus on, you know, having fun and chasing joy. So I have a great partner and I couldn't do any of this without him. So let me say that first before I continue. Um, so he's a great, he's, um, he's my partner. I don't want to call him a tool, but like every, like I use tools in the toolboxes, like a, just like a form of speech. Um, he's, he's one of my tools that like helps expand my capacity to be able to Mm -hmm. do all of these things. And I think that falls back into when you ask about mental health and social health, um, it goes back into that we're community creatures. I couldn't do all the things I do if I didn't have this whole community of people behind me, like, I have so many friends and supporters and family and my partner and I have so many people, even like you, like having me on this podcast, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I would, I wouldn't do this if it wasn't for you. This is your podcast. (laughs) So, um, I think that, you know, that's how I combat burnout is I really lean on my chosen family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, I, I appreciate you having you on the podcast. I'm sure your partner appreciates having the recognition and shout out from him as well. But yeah, I think these are all like tools or aids in your box to kind of get you through some things. So um, no, that's good stuff. Uh, let's see your question. My next two questions for you. I got, uh, can you tell us about a particularly meaningful experience you have had while working in social work and how it has impacted you? I'm sure you may have a few. Yeah, so it's funny um, when people say I work in social work because even my professors say that, but like, I feel Mm -hmm. like I don't until I graduate. Like I am not very quick to call myself a social worker, but like my professors Mm -hmm. will say, they'll be like, hi, social workers, like da, 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 da. So that's just, it's funny to me. And it makes me feel good when people say that because I hold, I have such a passion for social work. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, most meaningful so far, it's just been like case studies and talking to my, you know, my group mates in school because we're in a cohort. Um, of just like some amazing professionals, the mo a particularly meaningful experience. I think. Let me. Th- the first thing that comes to mind is I just listened to I watched this video called Radical Brownies. If people want to look it up, um, okay. it's about this kind of like a I don't want to say Girl Scouts group because it's not like that at all. 
but mm-hmm. it is a group of all young girl or young women who um, are learning about social justice. And that's like their focus. So where the Girl Scouts focus on like capitalism, selling things, making money and sewing and knitting and that kind of stuff, which are important things to know. Mm-hmm. But the radical monarchs are learning about um, how to protest. They're learning self-defense, self-defense classes. They're taking self-defense classes. These young women, probably like eight, nine, 12 years old, taking self-defense mm-hmm. classes. Like that's, that was incredible to me. Cause actually, I mean, we know women, like we, yeah, we got to protect ourselves. So that's amazing to Absolutely. me. Um, so that was very meaningful because we had a lot of conversation around what would a group like this for boys look like? And of course, me, I put the spin on it. Well, what would this look like for non-binary and trans children too? Um, So that Mm -hmm. was part of the conversation. And I think it was just, um, that was the most recent kind of critical reflection that me and my group mates had. And it just, I don't know, it stuck out for me because it brought up so many good topics, you know? And I think, so when you ask what a particularly meaningful experience is, I think it's just all the information that I'm getting to learn right now. Um, Mm -hmm. All the information that I'm exposed to, when you're in college, you're paying all this money to be exposed to resources that you wouldn't normally be exposed to. Yeah, Um, And my social work program does a great job exposing us to information that matters, not just things to fill, you know, to check boxes in the program. Things Mm -hmm. that if we drop out of the program today, if I dropped out today, I've gained so much from this program that I could, I could go forth and do great things with. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't be a master social worker if I dropped out of the program, but I, I could do great things with it already. Yeah. Yeah. You don't lose that knowledge. So um, let's see here. I want to get back on your project. Uh, maybe like a little bit of the imperfect, uh, you said you're the CEO of the imperfect human. I want to maybe, maybe can take a few minutes and maybe talk about that. I think that's a very interesting topic of what you're working on. In addition to your passions with jujitsu and your, uh, master's program i want to hear a little bit about your, your personal product that you're kind of building yeah um sometimes the imperfect human is on the forefront and i'm really like nurturing it and cultivating it and all the things right now it's kind of on the back burner not for mm-hmm. any reason other than i just have a lot i have a lot going on personally professionally just totally. all around have stuff going on so i really haven't been able to focus on it what it is is like mental health advocacy Um, it's also mental health and performance coaching, which kind of focuses on right now it's focusing on combat athletes just because that's the world I'm in. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel very comfortable and confident working with any athlete from any sport because I feel like if we're a good fit for each other, I will meet you where you're at. You can teach me about your sport if you want to. If you don't want to, I will go learn about your sport because I just find that fascinating. Um, so yeah, so it's coaching um, and mental health and performance coaching is just a fancy way to say life coaching. It, that's all I am. Mm-hmm. Um, one day, one day, I hope to be a licensed clinical social worker. And I think that I, w- I would have to read more into it and study and stuff like that because I haven't, I haven't really nailed down any plans here. I would love to like, move the umbrella and put my LCSW under the umbrella of the imperfect human and have mm-hmm. my own like company be licensed, all the, all of those things not work for someone else at all in any capacity. Still have multiple streams yeah. of income, all of those things. Um, 
yeah, that's, I feel like that's, that's the plan with the imperfect human right now. I don't, mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's kind of just chilling there until I get inspired again, you know? Right now I'm doing podcasts, yeah. I'm working on things. Um, I do have this cool thing that I have a collaboration with Z sponsorship where okay. um, this athlete is working to, I believe they have a ultra marathon coming up. All the proceeds that they gain from Z, from the Instagram and from different sponsorships and stuff like that will go towards paying somebody's mental health care for like a year. And it's, it's a, ba- wow. it's a, it's a, like a, a baby idea. I got in on it super early with this mm-hmm. person. Um, it's been such a fun experience just sharing like my experience with, with bipolar, with Z sponsorship. And this, this athlete is also a combat athlete. So it's been fun mm-hmm. to get to know other combat athletes um, around the world uh, because I believe she's in Australia. So that's kind of okay. something that the perfect human has been up to, which goes back into the mental health advocacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really neat how we can use the. I mean, ever since COVID, now we can meet people. I mean, we've all has been, but uh, more prevalent to meet people across the world now. So making connections across the pond in uh, Australia. So um, let's see here. So maybe can we kind of maybe for our, our last question that like maybe can we can hone in a little bit. Um, what's kind of like some maybe your project you're working on the, in the near future right now? I know like the imperfect human. That's a great way. I think that's your Instagram handle as well, so people can find you there. Um, what's maybe focused on you for my last question of the podcast, uh, like maybe the near future, the next maybe two to three years? Okay, two to three years. Honestly, the focus is really on school. Um, okay, I yeah. Would, I, would, I would love to say more about the imperfect human. And the more opportunities like this I get, the I will mm-hmm. always take them, right? Um, I I will always take podcast opportunities unless I'm just like, blown away with offers but mm-hmm. um i will always take them i will always talk to people i'll do interviews i'll do things like that but as of creating my own original content and pushing it out and stuff like that i'm just not in a place where i can do that right now so the next two to three years for me uh, my program is a three-year program i will mm-hmm. next fall begin my internships so i'll have two years of internships the first year i will just be like watching um Okay. The next year, I will actually be like doing the talking, which is a little bit scary. Um, essentially, I'll be a therapist for those that are like, "Well, but she's a social worker. What does she do?" I'll I'll be a therapist. Social mm-hmm. workers do they? We do a lot of things. Um, what what I want to do is clinical social work. Um, so I'll be working towards that. I'll graduate in like June ish of twenty twenty six. Um. Okay. I'll sit for my licensing exam and then Mm -hmm. two years after that. So five year plan, two years after that, I'll be fully licensed and can go out, branch out on my own and stuff like that. I already have my internship set up. I know who I'm interning for. I do jujitsu with her. So that'll be a lot of fun. I'm really excited about that. So yeah, it's mostly school. I'm on fire for school. I'm excited about school. I, the imperfect human just kind of has to, whatever happens, happens for the time being. Yeah, no, I think that's something great for you to kind of have right now and then just have in your back pocket and kind of keep building and keep chipping away at it. So you can kind of do it a little bit here, a little bit there. But yeah, it's nice. You can kind of take a break and kind of put things on the back burner. And I think you're definitely on the right track, focusing on the biggest priority, which is like, I think school right now. So I'm excited to have you back on in a future episode. Maybe we can kind of compare and contrast where you are now on this episode today to uh, down the line when you're all done with school and you got some other things going. I'm sure you'll be learning a lot more in the fire. So 
yeah, but it's it's really been interesting to kind of hear you talk, share your, uh, share your story, and like kind of what season you're in, kind of just this exploratory phase where you're just being, um, you know, having the opportunity to soak up all this new knowledge around you. So, and then just kind of being in an excited excited stage to maybe what, what we can do with this knowledge uh, on the next step. So, um, Bonnie, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, where can what's your Instagram handle? Where can people find you? Yeah, so it's at the dot imperfect dot human. Make sure you put the dots in the right places because there are other at the imperfect humans that exist. Don't find the wrong mm. one. Not that they're not <laughs> fun, but I think I'm the funnest one. <laughs> you are definitely the funnest one. I'll uh, I'll be sure to include like a direct like hyperlink for people to click on and they can find your profile too. So, Perfect. all right. Thanks again, Bonnie. I hope you enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Take care. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Lifting with Bipolar. Stay connected with me directly through jonathancharco.com. You can also join the discussion on Instagram at jonathancharco. As always, thank you for pushing your mindset and heart towards a better reality. This concludes the most thought-provoking portion of your day. Don't forget to please leave a review of the podcast as well as subscribe to stay fully up to date. Until next time, Be kind to yourself and each other.